Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. I have two issues. I want to discuss with you this morning because they are very often intertwined with each other. Now, the first one is the impact of Title IX and what that 50-year-old federal law really means at the, at the grassroots level, the high school level, especially when it comes to making sure that our kids' sports in high school are fair and equal across the board. And the second issue I want to to cover with you is the impact that high school athletic booster clubs can often have when it comes to the implementation of Title IX. Now, okay, stay with me on this because it's a little complicated. But let's start with the basics. Title IX, of course, was passed in order to make sure that all boys and girls have an equal and level playing field when it comes to participating in sports. And from what I can tell... Pretty much everybody cheers this law, and, you know, quite frankly, it's worked extremely well over the years. Now, for example, it means that all high schools must make certain there is no favoritism ever shown uh, to one sports program over another, especially when these programs are involving girls and boys. I mean, for example, if, um, if the boys' high school basketball team gets brand new uniforms for the upcoming season, well, under Title IX, the girls definitely should be getting new uniforms as well. That's the kind of uh, grassroots impact of Title IX. And let's face it, equal means equal. You get the idea. Okay. But what happens when a bunch of eager sports parents decide to start a, a booster club for their kids' high school team, like, say, the football team or the, the baseball team? Now, you, we all know about booster clubs. Traditionally, they are started by some active and enthusiastic uh, sports parents who really want to show their support for their kids' team by, by doing fundraisers or just providing monetary donations to the booster club. Well, nothing wrong with that, right? Well, let me ask you this. Do, do all of the financial proceeds that, that go to the booster club, is all that money to be used solely by that one team? That is, you and a bunch of sports parents start a booster club to benefit the high school football team. And uh, quite frankly, it turns out a lot of money is raised and it's given to the school with the thought that it's going directly and only to the football team. But under Title IX, which is all about equal and fair, 
shouldn't a good chunk of that cash be directed to be used by all of the school's teams, both boys and girls uh, uh, teams? Okay, this gets a little complicated, gets a little murky, but I do want to talk about the curious and often misunderstood concept of high school booster clubs when it comes to raising money for a particular sport or team. In fact, it only gets complicated when the school board receives the money from the booster club and then has to keep Title IX in mind. Uh, let's say, for example, your local high school has a terrific high school baseball team and has a booster club for the baseball team. It provides a lot of cash to the school board to help buy, again, new uniforms or pay for trips for the baseball team to go down south during, during the spring. But at the same school, the, the softball team has not been as successful and it's not as popular a program as, as baseball is for the boys. In fact, the girls' softball team, they don't even have a booster club. Under Title IX, the school cannot discriminate against the softball team. They are entitled to an equal amount of, some of the proceeds that came into the school via the boys' baseball booster club. Now again, let me just say, this is complicated stuff. I'm the first to admit I don't necessarily understand all of this and how it is implemented. But I do understand the fundamental rule of Title IX that all athletes, regardless of gender, are guaranteed equal treatment under federal law. It does not allow outside money to somehow favor only one sport or only one gender. And the reason I want to go over this all today, uh, and I, of course I welcome your thoughts and calls at 877-337-6666, is because there was a fascinating article this past week that ran in a Westchester County newspaper called The Examiner. It was written by Adam Stone, who was a longtime and highly respected journalist. The thrust of the article was that the Board of Education at Fox Lane High School in Bedford, New York, is in the process of trying to upgrade its athletic facilities. And that's, that's all great. We all want that. And as you may know, the baseball program at Fox Lane High has been a dominant force in Section 1 sports for, for, for years, thanks in large part to their terrific head coach, Matt Hillis. School right now has a, a wonderful field, has dugouts, fences, and so forth, and as part of a new bond that was just passed, the baseball field, the baseball field will be transformed into something even bigger and better. On the other hand, the softball program at Fox Lane has not had the same kind of success as the baseball squad. Their field is, quite frankly, kind of run down, doesn't really have the right dimensions for a softball field, it's physically hard to get to, doesn't have locker room facilities for the girls at the field, and so on. So a bunch of softball parents who've been trying to generate some enthusiasm and to build the softball program, and why they're grateful that the school district is finally going to upgrade the girls' softball field, well they aren't totally ready to celebrate because there are still some questions about how much money will be spent and dedicated for the softball facility and whether it will be spent equally in relation to the baseball upgrade. Now, the good news is that the school board at Fox Lane has been meeting with the softball parents to try and make sure that the needs uh, and upgrade concerns are all satisfied. And from what I've heard, the baseball upgrade which will make the field all turf and which will allow the outfield uh, to be used for other sports like lacrosse, things like that. The cost of that baseball upgrade is ticketed at $4 million. The softball field will remain all clay in the infield 
and there will be upgrades as well, but the budget for that is only $800,000. Now, looking at this objectively, clearly it makes sense for the Bedford School Board to be very careful and cautious and precise as to how they divvy up the money lest they run head-on into Title IX issues. And it seems to me, as an outsider, that the school board wants to find perhaps a, an expert um, in Title IX implementation to make sure all the monies are spent in an equal and justified fashion. That is, if you have $4 million budgeted for an extensive upgrade of the baseball facility and only 800000 for the softball, well, at least on the surface, you know, that seems a little bit out of whack in terms of Title IX. But I do understand that school board is working with the softball uh, boosters, uh, the parents in, in Fox Lane, to make sure that all the upgrades for softball are going to be considered. Now, remember this. Under Title IX, it makes no difference if the boys' program is highly successful and the girls' program is sort of lagging behind. Teams' records make no difference. It's more about, so much more about being equal in terms of the facilities and upgrades. That's the key. Which brings me to the, the second concept of booster clubs. As noted, booster clubs have been around a long time and are very common. Traditionally, booster clubs have been a way for sports parents to help generate extra revenue for a team at the high school level so the kids have the cash to upgrade you know, their equipment or to help pay for travel costs or, say, for a tournament uh, or to get just, uh, you know, uh, new uniforms. It's also a way to help build up the support for a team without having to rely upon the school district, uh, which is always strapped for, for money, for the school district to put up more cash. So, basically, in theory, it's a great idea. But again, as you noted, it can get complicated. And I fear there are a lot of schools and sports parents out there who may not be aware of the reach of Title IX when it comes to how it affects booster club money. So, uh, I, I'm going to get into this with you this morning on these two issues of Title IX and also talking about, obviously, booster clubs. When I return from the break, I'm going to go right to your calls and we'll, we'll tell you more about booster clubs. I'll have some, some what I found online in terms of the legal ramifications and what many high school sports parents might not be aware of. And the time is that after having Title IX around for 50 years, the time has come to talk about how this is, again, implemented at the high school and grassroots level. 877-337-6666. That's, of course, our number. When I come back after uh, the commercial break, we'll go right to your calls. Stay with me. Welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. We're talking this morning about Title IX implementation at the high school level and also about how it relates to booster clubs and the monies they generate for high school teams. As I mentioned, if you go online and you research booster clubs, you'll find an array of websites regarding this issue, and you'll see that it, it, the, the various authors try to do their best to explain how this works. Um, and we're taking your calls as well, of course, at 877-337-6666. Excuse me. Let's start our conversation more. Let's go to Ed Ward over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? <coughs> well, except for this cough, I'm fine, Ed. How are you doing? Good. Good, thank you. Uh, my feeling on Booster Club is this. If the Board of Education allows them, each team should have to have their own. And they, and I, for example, I worked for a school in the spring where, for a baseball program, where I go see opponents and I scout opponents for the head baseball coach. Yep. Now, in that school district, they each have their own baseball program or uh, booster club, excuse me. 
And what they do, they they provide a wish list to to the, to the uh, athletic director that maybe it's not in their budget. She, she approves it or he, and then what happens is they propose it to the Yapusta Club what they need and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So my feeling is there's nothing wrong with Yapusta Clubs, at, but each team is entitled to use their money whatever they want. However, Rick, you know with Yapusta Clubs, some some high school teams don't raise money. You know what I mean? You get some coaches that are lazy, that are not looking to build their program. So, therefore, they're going to complain, well, why is the baseball team or whatever team get all this stuff? And I and, and then that's a big factor, too. But sure. I had a friend of mine resign as a baseball coach because, you know, they had a baseball booster club. And the first thing that but the parents were worried about, not things that they needed for the baseball program, they were worried about the end-of-the-year dinner so they could give out plaques and trophies to the baseball players instead of thinking the things that are more important first for the baseball season. Yeah, but the problem is, as you just outlined, it gets very complicated because you said a lot of schools try to do that and say, well, we'll have, every team should have a booster club, which is, in theory, fine. But again, it has more to do with the way the monies that are generated by these booster clubs. For example, you know, the, the football team might be uh, generate a lot more money than, uh, let's say, you know, the, the tennis team or, or the lacrosse team. And the question is, how is that money distributed? And that's the concern here. And that's where it gets kind of murky and complicated. And again, it, it takes some real expertise uh, to try to figure this out. Uh, Ed, thank you for the call. As Have a always, good day, Rick. You too. Uh, you know, for example, I'm, I'm going to just read just what I found, um, you know, what I found one of these uh, websites, which focuses pretty much on Title IX and um, booster clubs. Quote, when a school accepts funding from an outside source, such as fundraising, corporate sponsors, booster clubs, private contributions, the school can use the money in the manner specified by the outside source. However, if the school accepts funds from any of these outside sources and the source benefits a boys' sports program, the school is then obligated by law to find resources somewhere to ensure that the girls' programs have the same benefit. In other words, when considering all boys' and girls' sports, school is legally obliged to distribute all of its resources, including outside funding, in a non-discriminatory method. The outside funding cannot result in disparities between the boys' and girls' programs if the outside sources results in an inequity between boys' and girls' sports programs. The school must correct the school must correct inequity using its own funding if, if necessary. So you can see this is not not all that easy, and, and it's, it's complicated. Let's continue with our calls. Let's go to, uh, to George in Westchester County. George, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you, George? Good. Um, I'd like to start by telling you that uh, I, played, I played ball with Matt Hillis in college, and he was a great player as well as a, well, as a great coach. <laughs> I will tell you, I recruited Matt Hillis when I was coaching at Mercy, and I was disappointed that I couldn't get him to, uh, to go to Mercy. He was a terrific ball player, and obviously... Well, you probably know who I am, then, if you coached at Mercy. Uh, Possibly. I played okay. at Iona the same... Man, I, I played with Matt at Iona, okay. so... Anyway. Okay. Anyways, it turns out, get to the topic at hand, um, I went the other way. I, I didn't get into coaching right away, but then my niece was playing softball, and the coach was a friend of the family and asked me to help out. So I volunteered for a couple of years. Yep. And we did, we did really well. We won a couple section titles. We won a state title. Um, and the thing with um, 
the, there's a booster club where we are, but it, it's always murky about where the money's going. And one season we needed a, we needed a batting machine, a pitching machine really bad. I mean, mm-hmm. 20 years old, it was very wild. And they said they had the money for it and got to the time when we were going to order it, and they didn't have the money because they were using the money to, uh, for lights for the football games. So we ended up paying for it out of our own pocket, which I don't care at, at the end of the day. But, but my, my thing is that the lights stayed up there for several weeks longer than they were supposed to, and it was yeah. clearly all football. And so the, the, the question is, is, is there – like nothing came towards the girls at all. I mean, mm. they, the field is definitely in disrepair. Um, uniforms, some of the kids have different numbers for home and away. So, so that's, uh, that's something that they should be getting spread around. Hey, George, uh, when, when, I'm sorry, when was this taking place? How, how recently? What was, yeah. George? In the what? last couple of years. Last couple of years. Okay, so was, this wasn't like, uh, you know, way back, uh, you know, just when Title IX was starting out. This is just recently, so go on. Oh, yeah. I was playing back when Title IX was yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right. <laughs> So, so you're saying that uh, that the school district just obviously wasn't uh, paying attention as to how these monies were being uh, uh, appropriated for both the you know the boys and the girls teams, correct? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not so much they weren't, or maybe we didn't uh, voice our needs enough. And, and to be honest with you, you know, football, I get it. You know, when I do the football, football takes money in. You know, people come in, they buy concessions, the stands are full. So I would I would understand why that would be you know first priority. Night games are really fun. Hundreds of people there. Yeah, but, but the problem, uh, I mean, the problem is, um, this is might be where it gets kind of complicated. The fact is, if it's if under Title Nine, if you have lights, let's say for for uh, for the baseball field, you know, if the guys can play baseball at night, we got to have lights for the girls' softball program. You can't you can't just say, well, it's football because football makes a lot of money. Nah, I can't do that. You got to have make sure that it's it's equal across the board, and that's as you mentioned, if the uniforms for the girls aren't up to up to the same level as the as the the boys, this is this is a problem, and it's you, you know. A lot of parents either don't know the law, aren't aware that this is how it's supposed to be appropriated and implemented. I don't know, but you would think that the school board, the athletic director, or somebody somewhere would say, you know, we got to be up to speed on Title IX and make sure that our girls' programs have the same kind of benefits as the boys do. That's a federal law. and, and um, Yeah, yeah and I, I don't know that they don't. You know, I don't know all of it, so I don't want to make it sound sure, like I got that. not I going understand. all right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're all really good people that work there. The athletic director's great. All the coaches are great. And they, they could be doing stuff. Maybe we just, you know, hadn't had the need recently, which, which I could say. Yeah. Absolutely. But, like, what's – like, the baseball field doesn't have lights. So, there's, you know, there's no discrepancy there. Uh, like, what, what girls' team would you consider, you know, equal to, like, the football team? Like, if the football team gets lights, which – you know yeah, but saying? the point is that there has to be. Remember, in most, and again, it, it depends on the state in which the high school is. But uh, for example, in most programs, when you bring in revenue for, let's say, a football game or basketball, that that goes to the the budget, the athletic budget overall. It doesn't necessarily go right to the football program. It, that that would be, again, that would sort of run into uh, issues with Title IX. But George, thank, thank, I got much of calls. Let me move yeah, on. Yeah. Thank you so much for checking in. I appreciate it. Let's move on to let's go to uh, let's go to David, who's calling in. David apparently is a, a former New York uh, State superintendent. David, I'm I'm curious to say hear what you have to say about this issue because you obviously have had to deal with this at some point in your career. Yeah, sure. 
the um, I just I, I think you just have to be careful. This is highly nuanced. Yes, uh, I think the last I am, call, <laughs> I'm well aware. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I think the last caller pointed that out, talking about football and saying what's analogous to football. Yes, you know there there isn't uh, an an analogy. And when you go back to the example you gave, which is yep. baseball and softball, it's really not sport to sport, but what opportunities do uh, the young women in that district have um, compared to the opportunities that the uh, young men have in the district as a whole. So, it, you, you, you know, you can get in. The parents will probably go, go in their discussions, well, it's softball, baseball, but it could well be that in the springtime um, uh, field hockey or, or girls lacrosse team is really where is the analogy sport to the baseball in terms of participation and strength of program. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, the, it's the totality of it. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, those fields, you talked about how the outfield was going to be used by other sports. Well, you know, if you get to a lawyer and you get to the legal pieces, then you're going to be um, taking the fraction of time that's spent, you know, on a girls team using that same, a part of that same facility. So it's not just a one-to-one, it's the whole. And, you know, really it's a, it's a, it's a big thank you to the parents for making the effort to support the, the, the students and their program, but they have to understand that the school board will be the ones that will actually decide how to divide that budget up and that the school board is looking at that totality. David, I'm, I'm so glad you called in about this because obviously you've been through this process. And as you pointed out, it, it's not so much about matching up a sport. You know, this is a girls versus the boys sport, whatever. No, it's more about, as you say, the word you use is totality because the monies, and according to, and I'm curious to get your thoughts about this, with booster clubs, the monies that the booster clubs come in, bring into that particular uh, sport. But according to what I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, under Title IX, those monies then have to be distributed to other, other sports or into a giant total budget so all the kids basically benefit you know, from, from the booster money that comes in. Is that your understanding? Yeah, well, it's the same thing you, you've experienced in a college, right? The, the revenue generator uh, is football, but the program as a whole, the, those revenues are shared uh, throughout the athletic department. Right. That's a good point. And, yeah, I, I want to focus primarily on high school today but because uh, college obviously has other complications but it's the same, as well. it's the same concept is what I'm saying. Yeah, it is. I understand. And I think, David, is that, I mean, you get this uh, because obviously you were superintendent for a number of years. The point is that I don't know if parents at the high school level understand this. Um, and I, I think they're sort of sometimes – you know, grateful to see that the, the, the school board is going to, or there's going to be a bond passed to generate more money to upgrade facilities, but either they don't know what to ask uh, or specifically that would make them uh, happy or their kids happy in terms of, of new facilities or how the monies will be allocated. Um, and this is why I think it, it's sort of incumbent upon school boards uh, to make sure that somebody is hired as an uh, independent outsider to say, okay, this is what we need to have to make sure across the board 
every aspect of Title IX is being is being implemented, so that there's no there's no discrepancy. Uh, the booster clubs are a different animal, but obviously understood that if you're going to start a booster club, understand that you know not all those monies may not may not go to the the team you want for your kid. It may go to other the overall athletic budget for all the kids. Um, and yeah, so that- it, you know. That's why you need a really good athletic director, and um, <laughs> I've had the privilege privilege of working with them, and they need to work closely with the parents right from the beginning to help clarify that. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more, and that's why I, I want to bring this topic up today to talk about it, because it does need clarification. It does need a very attentive athletic director, uh, because there are going to be questions, and they're going to, because, you know, like the, the people, uh, uh, the sports parents in Fox Lane, well, on one hand, uh, the softball parents are thrilled that they're finally going to have an upgrade, you know, to the uh, softball facility, but they may not be sure what they really need uh, compared to what the baseball complex is going to look like. And and they're gonna be, apparently the budget's already been passed. There's a lot of money, four million dollars for the baseball facility, uh, and I understand there's going to be some other add-ons, like you know, because it'll be all turf and they can do other f- sports in the outfield in the off season. But how does that affect the softball facility? Um, for example, if, if, the, if for some reason, obviously I'm just making this up, but if the baseball f- uh, upgrade includes the installation of having uh, lights for night games, I assume under Title IX, the softball t- uh, field has to have lights installed as well, correct? No, that's, that's what I'm saying is that the softball program may not be the analogous program in terms of partic- levels of participation and interest. Mm-hmm. It may be during that season, and maybe the girls' lacrosse team gets that. Oh, okay, not the, whatever. You know, but, in other words, it's, it's not necessarily a one-to-one in the sports because there's a lot of other factors in terms of level of interest and participation. Yep. It's girls as a whole, the girls as a whole have opportunities. And, and you know, uh, and your outside expert probably is the district lawyer, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of, the bottom line, but I think you can be fair, you know, and I think at the same time, um, you know, it, everything doesn't, it, the same isn't always equal. And, and that's really the, the key principle. It's making David, sure is, that the girls have opportunities yeah. equivalent to the boys' opportunities. This is precisely why I, I'm so grateful you called in this morning, because yeah, it is complicated, and uh, as you said, it may not be a one-to-one analogous situation from sport to sport, but it has to be fair and equitable, and that's where somebody really has to sit down and figure this out with all the various parties. So there may be compromises, but it's got to be done in such a way that everybody feels like they're being they're being represented and having the voice heard. David, I got great, I got to jump this more. Great, great for you to bring it up. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Appreciate the call, and you know, again, you just heard this is. This is high-level stuff, uh, and, and it's, it's complicated. But again, it's all because of Title IX, and we all want the best for our kids, rightfully so. Let's go over to, uh, let's go to Jack Smithlin uh, from Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. I'm curious to get your thoughts about this, because obviously you've coached a long time in high school uh, and obviously recently in college. Jack, what's your sense of all this stuff? Well, like you said at the beginning in your monologue, it's very difficult, very confusing, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because there was a there's a there's a school in in New Jersey, a college in New Jersey, where um, two people, an ex baseball player, uh, major league baseball player, and a local um, um, enthusiast to athletics at 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 this university, 
Um, built a baseball stadium, you know, trying to bring in a minor league baseball stadium, but it was also going to be used by the baseball team. Well, the, the softball program said, well, you know, we, why don't we have a stadium? And before long, there was a brand new stadium built because this coach, female coach, came forward and said, this isn't equal. This is not, you're not following Title IX. And in that same situation, and this is something that was told to me, so please don't quote me on it, but the baseball coach went on and won a national championship. His, his, his salary went up, and the softball program deserved the same, and the coach got it. So there's a, there's a true example of Title IX. And, I mean, that's at the higher levels of education, not high school. But, you know, I listen, when Title IX was established, it was, it was established through federal, federal law, and that meant that it applied to schools that received federal funding. Right. If a school didn't receive federal funding, they were excluded from Title IX. They certainly were, back when it started. Nowadays, that's a little bit different, and here's the situation. At, our, at the school where I coach, at New Jersey City University, every athlete is required to take a Title IX um, course, program, okay? It's not voluntary. It's, it has to be done. It is mandatory. And, you know, and the coaches have to take it too. When you talk about the booster club stuff, and that applies to colleges too, because people can donate money to programs. Of course. The gentleman that you had on before said, and, and Dave was right on, right on the money, um, the the, uh, the, the gentleman you had on before who said about football generating a lot of money in basketball and wrestling, that money doesn't go to the school because they generate the money. It goes to every team. And once again, the athletic director and the administration decide where it's used and when it's needed. Okay? When you talked about the field being 800000 and the other one $4 million, well, in that particular situation, is the same thing being done to the softball field? Well, you got to remember, the softball field is only two-thirds the size of a baseball diamond. Yes. So is, is the money allocated correctly to do exactly what's being done? Let me talk real quick about booster clubs, okay? okay. Years okay. ago, and I don't know if it still holds, and it might have been each school, but the way that the booster clubs got around getting the money to the right program was they were not allowed, if they donated money, it, they did it in a fundraising situation. They went out and fundraised. Okay, now, at college right now, we fundraise for softball, okay? And we can designate that money to softball, all right? If we go out and privately do our own fundraising. Now, here's what the ADs do. The athletic departments, not only in our school, they'll take that money and they'll use it for whatever's needed for that particular new uniforms, new equipment for the program, but what the booster clubs used to do at the high school level is they weren't allowed to donate anything more than the amount that was fundraised, and then anything over that had to go into the the main pot. Uh, that might change today. Uh, yeah, I, like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Jack, I was going to say, I, I don't... This is, you know, this is sort of like crazy. It, it was it, it's so complicated. Uh, it'd be, it, and everybody wants the right thing to happen. They want to, you know, put some money to help out the kids in the high school program or the college program. As you just outlined, it's fundraising as opposed to 
getting a donation and there's limits the fundraising money can just once you go beyond a I mean it's just so complicated I don't it's very very hard to find anybody who can speak uh, you know with great authority about this but we do know this in the story you start off with like with a, a college baseball coach uh, you know his team doing well so on and so forth um, you know the fact is that uh, you know he got a, a new stadium he got apparently got a salary raise and then the softball coach comes in and she says well why don't we get a new stadium and why don't I get a raise and under title nine you know she got it so Jack, I know. Yeah, there was one, one other thing. Go there ahead. Was one other thing I wanted to say. Last night I did a little research and I found this article written by the Women's Sports Foundation, yep. very very big organization in Title IX. Of course. And what they said that is that the research that they've done in it was in 2020, I believe, that 80 to 90 percent of all the institutions in the United States are not in compliance. With the rules of Title IX, <laughs> and there's no there's no ramifications. Well, they that's... get away with it. The board that that oversees this, which is a government board, yeah. doesn't penalize. Okay, so people are getting away with doing what they want when they want and how, however much they want. Well, that's and that's exactly some... why we're yeah. I mean, I mean, if you say eighty to ninety right. percent is not in, in full compliance, that's a pretty sizable majority, and I think it's because. Exactly. Because of the fact that it's so complicated, and and how are you going to find people who who know this stuff and and are going to spend time to try to explain it in in a straightforward fashion to sports parents or to to administrators? I mean, it's, it is it is um, yeah, it's it's high level it's high level it, it, legal stuff. Simple as that. And, and getting and getting back to Ed, getting back to Ed when he talked about you know coaches not wanting to do it they're lazy they're not lazy and uh, you know and ed i'm not trying to throw you under the bus here but w with booster clubs okay comes problems at my old high school fairland high school where i coached softball for many 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 years we had a baseball booster club it was called the diamond club and what happened was the person who took charge felt he had more power all right. He felt that he had because he was raising all this money for baseball and the gentleman not even understanding that it wasn't only going to baseball. It was coming to us in softball also and every <laughs> other sport. But he thought that he had more power. OK. And he demanded that his son get more playing time and everything yeah, else. Yeah. And there's the reason I don't do booster clubs and, you know, and, and get uh, get the parents involved because it can only cause Problem. Jack, I, let me let me let me. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, and let, let me let me put you there because I got to take a break. Thank thank you, Jack. But I do want to just mention to underscore Coach Smithlin. Yeah, I mean there are people that who start booster clubs, and for some reason they feel that as monies are being generated or donated, that somehow that's going to somehow elevate the the head of the booster club to being like an assistant coach and have more uh, more influence or impact on the coach at the high school. No, that stuff is, is that's, that doesn't should never happen even back in the day and if it's tra happening in your town, no. Booster clubs are independent and should have no influence over the coach, especially in terms of the kids and playing time and honors and stuff like that. Welcome back to the Sports Edge. I um before we get back to our conversation about uh, Title IX and booster clubs, uh, which I find to be just uh, fascinating, uh, I do want to take a moment uh, to mark the passing of a close friend, a, a former teammate, and a longtime baseball scout for the Chicago White Sox, John Taminia. Uh, very honestly, 
John was simply a wonderful human being, and his mission in life was to make kids' dreams come true. He was the founder of a charity called Baseball Miracles, in which uh, John made baseball equipment available for free to underprivileged kids all around the world. He went everywhere. He went to Africa, Mexico, South America, and so on, where the kids, the young kids, were overjoyed when this sort of modern-day Santa Claus arrived with all these bats and balls and gloves so they too could learn how to play baseball and play the game properly. And as a scout, well, John Timinia, he made my own son's dreams come true when Timinia drafted John and signed him to a pro contract with the White Sox. And that was what a thrill, thrill of a lifetime. John Timinia was 70 years old. And I got to tell you, people like him are hard to find in this world. He will definitely be missed. Okay, let's get back to our discussion this morning about booster clubs and Title IX. And, and you're getting a sense from the various callers how complicated this is. And, uh, you know, if you have a booster club in your, in your high school and you, you're, there's a Title IX issue going on or there's, there's uh, athletic facilities are being upgraded, you really need to have somebody who knows, understands Title IX and how it should be instituted and implemented so it's done on a fair and equal basis. Uh, 877-337-6666. Let's go back to our callers. Let's go to, uh, let's go to a Lee in Brooklyn. Uh, Lee, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, how you doing today? Good, Lee. What's up? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that um, there's a gentleman that called about two calls ago and basically was breaking it down, really, like about the fact that the situation as far as the money is concerned and and what you were talking about earlier as far as money is concerned. Um, you know, basically, when anybody started anything, they basically, you know, have that slight idea that, you know, they need to make money to be able to uh, do anything. You think about a baseball player who makes, uh, I don't know what they wanted to pay judge nine years, Four hundred. It's just the the numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. So you got people working inside the hot dog stands at the baseball stadium, basically making twenty dollars an hour. So it's the discrepancies are always there. You know, basically as far as that is concerned. So you basically go back to starting a business, which is uh, something that people usually do to be able to survive. And the thing you're thinking about is how much money is going to go back into your pocket. So, yeah, but Lee, this isn't. This is, has nothing to do with business or economics of of startups or or how much money that a ball player makes or how much a guy right. selling hot dogs. This has to do with education and, and and equality for boys and girls. And I think, as I said at the outset, yep. everybody is in favor of this. So I mean, right. if there are monies are coming into a high school, it should be equally distributed. Correct. That's what I was getting. That's what I was going to. That's what I was getting. Okay. The money never equally distributed. And, and basically, it, it never will be. It, some of this is spiritual. So um, it would never be equally distributed. And even good leaders who basically spent 20, 30, 40 years out doing something, they'll come back and sit down with you, and they'll, you know, they'll tell their children, you don't want to be involved with this. It's a lot, it's a lot behind it that, that you don't know about. You can't see. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I put it this way, and, um, you know, I thank you for, for checking in today, Lily. I have some of the calls to get to. But here's the deal. Um, we all want this to happen. We all want the, the monies to be equally distributed as fairly as possible. There may be some issues along the way. That's what we're discussing today, and we're trying to find a way to correct it or to educate 
parents uh, to understand or to school board members, athletic directors. You understand this is complicated. You've got to spend some time to educate yourself on what, what goes on here. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to, um, up to New Paltz, uh, upstate, and Mike is standing by. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, Mike. What's up, pal? Uh, no, I just I want to bring a different perspective into it. I'm I'm a father of a high school and two middle school kids. Okay. Um, and you know, with regards to like the booster club concept, so I understand Title Nine all about fairness, equal. I get that. I I agree with it and all that. But what 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 type of lesson are we teaching a kid who, let's say, spends all weekend shaking a can or selling raffle tickets or whatever? spending his time and, and working hard, raising money for his team, and then basically, you know, doesn't get it all for whatever reason. And then on the flip side of that, the kid who doesn't work hard, doesn't do a thing, and then just says, all right, well, the baseball team's going to raise money for my lacrosse team or whatever it is, so I don't have to work <laughs> hard, I don't have to worry about it. It's like, what kind of, what is that teaching them? I, you know, as we were getting to, you know, uh, unravel this issue, uh, with booster clubs, uh, yeah, that is a good point. Mike said, "Well, you know what, you know, um, uh, the guys in the football team—they're out, uh, you know, shaking the cans and and working hard to to generate some revenue through the booster club." And kids in another sport might say, "You know, we're going to benefit regardless. We don't have to do anything, so l- l- they can do all the heavy lifting, but we'll still get our monies because that's the way Title IX is is set up." Um, that that's a little bit cynical, uh, to, obviously, but I guess that could happen. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Um, you know, I, the way I understand what I've read these websites and, and from these attorneys, that it, the way this works is if a booster club, you know, raises money, um, then the, those monies go to the school. They're donated to the school, uh, you know, fund, um, and then basically uh, they are divvied up or spread out. Or if there's not enough money, uh, or that the school itself has to come up on a way to benefit uh, spreading the funds to all the teams. It is, it is very, very messy. Let's put it that way. And uh, it's, it's, as we've heard yeah. uh, from, uh, you know, Jack Smithland pointed out that, you know, something like 80 to 90 percent of most schools don't even understand that they're not in compliance with Title IX. But you make a good point. I, I don't have an answer for that unless you yeah, basically it, it, say that, you know, um, if you want to have booster clubs or if you want to benefit, uh, it would be nice if all the teams did some fundraising. Um, I, you know, it's yeah. just. And the concept, you know, I made, what made me think of it is, like, you know, I have my kids also play on travel clubs, too, and yep. they do fundraise, fundraising. And, you know, the, the concept there is, you know, if, if you're selling raffle tickets, that's that's your money to pay for the tuition or for you know the the New Jersey or whatever it ends up being. And you know, the harder you work, the more benefit you get. I know, obviously, travel teams aren't you know under Title IX and all that, but that's kind of the concept of where I started thinking about this. Is you know, why why, why are kids getting stuff for not doing anything? That that's 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 the point. Yeah, I, and it is a good point uh, because, as again, this is the, as we deep, go deeper and deeper into this topic, we, we realize how complicated and how difficult it is to try to do the right thing. Uh, again, it's one of these weird things where everybody agrees at the outset we all want to have equality uh, for all our boys and girls in, in high school, 
But then as you get deeper and into this, you sort of say, well, how does this work? And how do we make this equitable? And how, I mean, why should these kids benefit if they are doing the same thing the other kids are doing in a different sport? It's, it, is, it is weird. Um, and again, um, I don't think there's any particular clear understanding of how this all operates. Now, you mentioned about with travel teams. You know, Mike, my understanding is that obviously with travel programs, they don't get any federal funding, uh, obviously, because they're not in school. So, you know, if you want to do fundraising or have a booster club for your travel team or club team, I think that's okay. I think that's legitimate because, honestly, it's um, they're independent of the school district. And maybe that's how this is going to eventually sort itself out. It's just just weird that after all the celebration of 50 years, we're still trying to figure out the very basics of how do we divvy up the, the money that comes into the school. So, hey, I appreciate the, your and, point and, of view. And, this divvy up, and, divvy up the, yeah, and divvy up the work. Yeah, and the work, and the work effort, <laughs> too. Know? Yeah, I hear you. Thank you for the call. appreciate what you're saying, Mike. That, that's interesting stuff. And, and, you know, friends, again, I just, you know, I, I think generally speaking, athletic directors, superintendents, and school boards, and donors, I mean, I can understand. I think we all can. They can have a real difficult time trying to understand the concept of booster clubs and and the effect they have regarding title nine and any monies that are brought into the school i mean it's difficult to 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 sort of comprehend why a particular booster club that as mike said works hard to raise funds for a particular sport can can basically say well how about the other kids and they're not working hard why do they get money if, if only our kids in our sport are working hard to fundraise and then the school is then legally obligated to make sure that the boys and girls, all the programs, are treated equally. I mean, it's just, again, to reiterate, outside resources are permissible when it comes to fundraising, but it's a responsibility of the school district to ensure that outside benefits, including services, treatment, opportunities, regardless of the outside sources, are equivalent for male and female student-athletes. Uh, I mean, that's that's what's driving all this. And you can hear that it's complicated. Let's continue. Let's go to uh, let's go to Rob Freed out in Lake Success. Rob, good morning. Um, Good morning, Rick. This is fascinating because you're going down two different roads here. And the Title IX concept, which actually started in 1964, I brought this up on, I guess, one of your previous shows. It it basically was came into end discrimination in various fields based on race, color, religion, and sex. Obviously, now we're talking how it went into into sports and high school sports and amateur sports and all of that. But, you know, my thought on this, you're talking booster clubs, and, and I kind of, uh, day was fabulous. When you're talking about fields, okay, I know back in the day in the 70s and 80s, my dad, when he was the commissioner in New York City, there were six fields in New York City that had AstroTurf. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. Booster clubs, even when Ed brought up early in the show and Jack, you know, those kind of clubs are set up for, um, you know, teams that want to travel, let's say, down to Florida. I wish Bill uh, Easton would have called it. He's down in Tampa right now with his daughter uh, playing soccer in, in, a, in a tournament down there, a national tournament. I would like to ask him what, how his girl and, and got down there. Did, did they have a well, booster club? You know, if, if that they... they is that is that a high school team or is it a travel it's a, team? I think it's a it's a travel. It's not a well, travel team. It might be his high school team or his. Um, he's on a. He has his girl playing in a in in a high level uh, soccer soccer yeah, tournament. I'm, I'm gonna have to ask him on is, that. My point is, as we just discussed a couple of minutes ago, uh, with uh, with Mike calling in from New Paltz, if it's a travel or a club team that your kid's on, right? It's very different because yeah, one is private not, versus one, one is not federal. Yeah, they're not getting any federal funding like like a high school does. So if you don't have any federal funding, I don't think you are 
under the, the reign of Title IX. But I so, think, going back to what you said, you used the word that for equality. Now, when, in a booster club, and, and everybody's had some great calls, when they're, when they're having their kids go out there and try to raise money to send their club, let's say, on a trip, okay? Because yep. this amount of money, I don't know what, the, what these booster clubs are actually bringing in, but then you're talking about lights and fields. We want to get in, in the Great Neck, Great Neck South, we want to get a new track, okay, for the men and the women. We're talking, that's going to be tax money. That's going to be millions of dollars yes. that, that are going to be, that's not going to come from booster club. I think booster clubs in general are basically set up so kids could, in, a, in the high school, can maybe travel to Florida. The softball team could go down and, and play in a week tournament down during the February vacation. That's what I think the original concept of booster clubs, you use the word that they have to find money to make it equal. Well, yes. you know what? I mean, they could get that from various other, you know, uh, funding that could come from, from, you know, maybe from the taxes. A lot of these, this is a very, like you said, it's a murky. And, and, and I think the point being that there are two different things going on here. You're talking about Title IX, which is, um, but we're really going down the booster club. And I think a booster club that raises money, the money should really go to that club because we're not talking about a tremendous amount of money. When you want to talk about fields, very, very different. And Dave, with, as a superintendent, I think explained it well. And, and that's kind of my point on today. Well, I, I tell you, uh, you know, it, it's – you mentioned, for example, Rob, like, you know, the, I guess you said Great Neck. They're trying to, you know, pass some sort of bond to build a track or upgrade the track. Well, that would benefit everybody, um, and obviously boys and girls, uh, as well as the community. Uh, it would only get complicated if they said, well – uh, only we, we have a really good boys track team, so we're just going to let the boys have the, the best hours in the day. The girls can find, you know, they can use a track and... and, and uh, well, it's a community uh, thing, having a track. Yeah. I mean, I get to use it, okay? And, yeah, and well, people who live, who live in the district. But I think, really, when you're talking boosting, I think, and we really went down this road, I'm thinking to myself, the people that are doing it are basically doing it for their club or their team to maybe, you know, have some extra money to do a travel, a travel I, event, I, maybe. Rob, i got to stop you there, my friend. Uh, this is obviously a, a very, very difficult, complex, uh, and complicated issue, but I'm glad we brought her up today and had some great, great calls about this. A lot of angles to Title IX and booster clubs and how this is all being played out. Uh, anyhow, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. The NFL preview is up next, and I'll see you next Sunday right here on Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.